The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. And thinking back over our recent shows, I realized I've been guilty of only talking about IN's recent conference in Newport Beach, California, and not mentioning all the other things IN's has to offer members. So this show, I want to provide you with a bit of uh, an idea as to what benefits you'll get as a result of becoming an IN's member. First of all is the quarterly publication, Vital Signs, edited by Rhonda Bailey and yours truly. In its pages, you'll discover some of the most intriguing accounts of NDEs and related experiences from experiencers themselves. Then there is the Journal of Near-Death Studies, a more scholarly publication with articles such as The Nursing Profession and Near-Death Experiences, a personal and professional update, or Phenomenology of Near-Death Experiences, an analysis of a Maori case study. Uh, very interesting, timely, and well-documented articles. And then along with our other publications, there are monthly reports of NDEs emailed to members as well. So really, the annual conference may be the sexiest part of IANS, but it's not the whole show for sure. So check us out at IANDS.org. Also, today we're taking calls from listeners. If you'd like uh, to call and perhaps relate an experience of your own, give us a call at 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Now here's an interesting story from the most recent issue of Vital Signs. Uh, it's titled, Did Edgar Casey Have a Near-Death Experience? And it's written by Neil Helm, who is... Um, closely associated with um, the ARE group. <clears throat> Edgar Casey, he writes, who lived from 1877 to 1945, is often called America's greatest psychic, the sleeping prophet, and is also often credited with being the father of holistic medicine for the many successful remedies he prescribed while in a hypnotic trance. Neil writes, I conducted space science research for decades in my former career, and I began a formal study of NDEs after my wife and I moved to Virginia Beach from the Washington, D.C. area in 2009. We wanted to be more active in the Edgar Cayce Association for Research and Enlightenment, which is uh, titled ARE, and it's Atlantic University, where I completed an M.A. degree in transpersonal studies in 2013. I am now on its faculty. My master's culminating project was a study of the spiritual aspects of NDEs. I chose the subject to conduct research on and better understand my own NDE, which I experienced at age five. And then uh, Neil goes on to tell us about his NDE. In 1944, he writes, my mother traveled with my two older brothers and me to central Montana to visit relatives. After a few days, a cousin took us to a hot spring swimming area in a rural setting. I was frustrated to see that my mother and brothers could swim. I had never been swimming, but thought that I could accomplish this physical feat. After a few strokes, I began to sink and inhale the hot water. 
As I took a last gulp of the water, I thought the drowning would be painful. At that instant, a powerful calm and serenity overcame me, and I had a profound near-death experience that I remember in lucid detail to this day. My spiritual body left my physical body and floated by a beautiful meadow across a lake into a tunnel. All of this was serene, and I had no fear of the tunnel, especially as I could see a light at its end. As I came out of the tunnel, the entire right wall was covered with a light that could only be called unique. The light manifested itself as God. There was no equivocation. This was the light of God. I have a clear vision of standing in front of the light and it flowing over me like a mist of total love and forgiveness. Then God said, it's not your time. My spiritual body then returned to my physical body in the hot springs. My middle brother dove into the water, physically touched me, knew that no one should be under the water, and pulled me out to the surface. My cousin, a physician, resuscitated me. At age five, I couldn't comprehend piercing the veil and going to the other side, but I knew I had met God, and within an hour after my resuscitation, God communicated with me. guiding me not to tell my experience to my parents who would probably call it a hallucination or to my young friends who would not understand it. I never had imaginary playmates like Edgar Cayce, but one of my first gifts from God was the ability to communicate with some species of animals, especially horses and dogs. In addition to my inner knowing and ongoing conversations with God, he asked me if I wanted additional psychic gifts like telepathy, clairvoyance, and Precognition, the ability to look into the future and to better understand past events. While I didn't understand it all, I just opened myself to God, and and as I began to acquire these gifts, God made it clear that I was to use them only to his honor and to help humankind. No horse races. I didn't tell anyone about my NDE until I was 31 years old when I discovered in 1975 that Dr. Raymond Moody had just finished a book about NDEs titled Life After Life. After reading the book and finding people who were interested in NDEs, I began to do more investigating of NDEs and those people who have had extraordinary spiritual experiences. Edgar Cayce's name quickly appeared, and I read Thomas Surgru's There's a River and other books about this incredible man. Originally from Kentucky, Casey spent most of his adult life in Virginia Beach, Virginia. In reading about his gifts, I found many similarities to people who have had NDEs. They tell of traveling to the other side and talking with family members, spirit guides, and divinities. They also report experiencing after effects of the NDEs, such as becoming more spiritual and developing paranormal abilities, even to opening the book of all knowledge known as the Akashic Record. Many and perhaps most children do not remember or fully understand their NDEs, but I started early in 2013 to try to find some real evidence of Edgar's NDE. And reading Harmon Bro's A Seer Out of Season, I found something. Harmon Bro, a graduate student, and also his wife June, were working for Edgar in 1944. Edgar, knowing that Bro was planning to write his Ph.D. dissertation on Edgar's life, was providing Bro with some highlights from his earlier years. Bro writes of Edgar, 
He told of how he had drowned and been pronounced dead in his youth and how the invisible playmates of his childhood had returned to him once as an adult. And uh, that was written in 1989. Edgar was making certain this important event in his young life was documented for his memoirs. Rowe wrote down these discussions, and it is important to follow the flow of Edgar's memory. He, he drowned, and his invisible playmates came to him. I hypothesize that Edgar Drowned had an ND, probably had his first out-of-body experience, an experience that he would continue to have more than 14,000 additional times. The Invisible Playmates, a, a visit from an angel, and the multitude of gifts that Edgar received from God, such as the ability to pull himself into a tra- put himself into a trance and receive information from the Book of Knowledge, were, I hypothesize, the result of his spiritual development, first made possible by his NDE. Why did Casey not speak more of this profound event in his life? First, the phrase near-death experience was not coined until Raymond Moody wrote his seminal book on NDEs in 1975. That was some 30 years after, after Edgar's death. Second, while Edgar believed in past lives, traveling to the other side and meeting Jesus, these subjects were not popular with many people in Christian circles during the first half of the 20th century. My continuing NDE research on Edgar's drowning led me to the big vault at the Edgar Casey A.R.E., where all of Edgar's readings, other memorabilia and artifacts are carefully stored. I found some original notes by Edgar's father, Leslie, often called the Squire. Leslie Casey writes that his son Edgar was an outdoor boy who liked to hunt and fish. Quote, on one occasion, after some very heavy rain had filled the ponds, lakes, and lowlands to overflowing, Edgar decided to go fishing. He got his little fishing pole, hook, and line and started out perfectly alone. While Leslie did not date this story, he implied that little Edgar was quite young, I suspect around age five, similar age-wise to my own NDE. The heavy rain had caused Edgar's favorite pond to overflow onto a generally uh, shallow area where some small fish were stranded. Edgar put down his pole and was happily wading out into the shallow water and just picking up the small fish and tossing them onto the bank. However, in his enthusiasm... Edgar ventured towards what was a deep hole some 10 to 12 feet deep. He slipped down the steep slides of the sides of the hole. Edgar had to stick his hands and feet in the muddy side of the hole to try and pull himself out. Luckily, a hired man on the farm came along with horses and a wagon of logs or rails. He saw the fishing pole, fish along the bank, and Edgar's hat floating in the water, and he knew that He, Edgar, was about to be drowned, or had been. Leslie, writing about these memories for the newspapers, was trying to tell the story of how little Edgar was strong and resourceful. So he wrote that Edgar was coughing water and was out of the hole when the hired man grabbed his hand and pulled him out. But I suspect that Edgar had, in fact, drowned. And the hired man pulled him out, applied simple resuscitation skills that were generally known, and brought the boy back to life. Remember, Edgar told Harmon Bro, quote, he had drowned and been pronounced dead in his youth, unquote. The hired man loaded Edgar onto the wagon and took him back to his mother. 
Leslie then wrote that Edgar's mother was frightened by hearing what had happened and what he had seen. I suggest that Edgar was telling his mother about his drowning and what he had seen as part of his NDE. After reading hundreds of NDE accounts, I am comfortable with the idea that Edgar's remarkable life is the result of his meeting God, perhaps in the form of Jesus, during his NDE. After his experience, Edgar asked for his own Bible and opened himself to God. All of Edgar's gifts and abilities followed. Soon after his experience, Edgar was visited by his invisible friends. Later, an angel came to him in the garden. He could sleep on a book and acquire the knowledge within. Similar experiences are often related by children who have had an NDE. Edgar's more dynamic gifts, such as putting himself in a hypnotic trance where he could acquire the knowledge to look into past lives and future events, are spectacular in their scope, but nonetheless similar to psychic gifts others have received. Edgar understood this and told Bro, quote, I don't do anything you can't do, unquote. Having an NDE seems to be a rapid way of traveling to the other side and meeting God. However, it is not the only way to have this sacred experience. Edgar said, you can do it in dreams. I know people who are able to have an intimate relationship with their God through dreams, meditations, and prayers. We are all special children of God doing his and our mission in many unique and different ways. And that's the article from Vital Signs, Spring 2014, Spring and Summer 2014 issue. I should tell you that the writer, Neil Helm, is uh, uh, currently a scholar in residence at Atlantic University. He completed a more than 40-year career in space science where he his last 18 years were at George Washington University as Deputy Director of the Institute of Applied Space Research. Professor Helm completed an MA in Transpersonal Studies at Atlantic University in 2013, and he's currently enrolled in a Ph.D. degree program in Transpersonal Psychology at Sophia University. That's a good example of the kinds of articles we run in Vital Signs. Um, let me give you that call-in number again if you'd like to call in. The number is 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Now, we mentioned uh, Raymond Moody, and uh, Raymond Moody was one of the founders of IANS. And from uh, a vital signs issue of... Um, uh, the summer of 2011, uh, we had we did an interview with Raymond, and I, I just wanted to read one question and his response to it. This was uh, directed to Raymond Moody. What do you find most interesting in the field of NDE studies? How have your family and friends reacted to your interest in this field? How have you integrated what you have learned from NDEs into your religious views, your scientific views, your views of reality. And Raymond uh, responded, To me, the most fascinating aspect of these experiences is their potential bearing on the biggest question of human existence. Is there an afterlife? I was not exposed to religion as a child, and the first I ever thought about life after death was in reading Plato as a first-year college student. As I said at the beginning of Life After 
after life. My background interests were in logic, philosophy of language, and ancient Greek philosophy. I also emphasized near the beginning that I was primarily discussing narratives uh, or verbal accounts. And I emphasized that these narratives were not evidence, which he puts in quote, especially not scientific evidence of an afterlife. Regrettably, all those vital facts got overlooked in the enormous wave of popular and professional interest in these experiences that swept the world after Life After Life was published in 1975. The afterlife remains the most important philosophical question, but it is not yet a scientific question. I have kept insisting on this because it is a truly crucial point. Thus far, the question of an afterlife is still a conceptual question. That is, it requires logical reasoning about concepts, not scientific methods. I believe that people will be waking up to this pretty soon, and it will transform the landscape of rational study of life after death. Really interesting quote from Raymond Moody in Vital Signs. Now, one of the other things that we do uh, for members at IENS is we have a monthly um, emailed account of one or more NDEs. And I thought I would uh, read the short one that uh, came in for September. And then I'll give you, afterwards, I'll give you the commentary on it, uh, which is uh, often precedes the email, but I'm going to put it at the end. This was uh, this is uh, published anonymously. I crashed my bicycle when several fa- friends and I were playing, following, uh, playing follow the leader, and we were jumping over a manhole cover. I flipped over and landed on my head. I can remember leaving my body and seeing myself on the ground. There was no pain, but I felt panic because I didn't understand what was going on. Instantly, I went to the second story of my house and tried to get my grandma's attention. It was odd because when I was at the window trying to get her attention, she looked at me, but it felt like she didn't see me. Then she went outside and saw me on the ground. It was almost as though she heard me outside the window. Once she saw me, I was instantly back in my body. When we went to the hospital, the doctors checked me out. I was young, so I can't really describe what they checked, but I do remember the doctor telling me he couldn't believe that all I got was two black eyes and no brain damage. Since then, I see beings that visit me. I don't, excuse me, I don't know if what happened to me is the reason, but the beings are beings of light. And they tell me odd things. I try and hide from them, but they appear out of nowhere. I try to ignore them. If I repeated the things they tell me, you would think I was crazy. So I totally ignore them and the things they tell me. But I've had out-of-body experiences since then. I'll see myself sleeping and go back into my body and wake up, but won't be able to move for one or two minutes. And then he ends by saying, I feel like I'm screaming, but no sound actually comes out of my mouth. Not a happy situation, I would say. Now, this the commentary that accompanied this from uh, Ians uh, begins, We hope this account will further your understanding of and appreciation for the powerful insights available through near-death and near-death-like experiences. 
And then it goes on, this is a shorter account of an out-of-body experience from childhood. It is of interest that his grandmother perceived something was wrong, even though she couldn't see him outside her window. Small children and dogs are most likely to see disembodied uh, individuals, but sometimes adults have that ability or trust their instincts sufficiently to follow up. The after-effects, he reports, are also interesting. Many who have near-death, out-of-body, or near-death-like experiences have an increased ability to see and communicate with spirits. It seems that the veil between this side and the other side is thinner after an experience. Experiencers most often refer to the beings they encounter on the other side as beings of light or light beings, just as this man describes the beings who visited him since his accident. Some people are successful in preventing beings from bothering them by telling them they are not welcome and asking them not to visit. His other after-effects have also been mentioned by other near-death experiencers, though less frequently than seeing beings. Well, that's just uh, one more service that IONS provides, sending out uh, to members on a monthly basis emails of interesting stories. And not all of them are happy ones, uh, but they all give us an insight into uh, what our uh, status is, I guess I could say, with the other side. Um, Let me give you uh, one more chance to call. We're almost out of time, but uh, our our number is 888-463-6748. There is another story which you might find interesting. Just this one. This one is also from the uh, summer 2014 issue of Vital Signs. It's called Blood Flow is at the Heart of It. And I think we have just enough time to read it. Blood Flow is at the Heart of It by Cecil Hersher. I was thinking about this while reading the book. Well, I should say first, Cecil Hersher is a physician, storyteller, and actor. After immigrating to Canada in 1974, he maintained his links with his birth country, South Africa, by bringing education without borders into realization with his wife, Ruth. He writes, I was thinking about this while reading the book Consciousness Beyond Life, The Science of the Near-Death Experience by Pim von Lommel, M.D. I, in 1971, I was in London, England, with my wife Ruth and my mother and father. We were en route to Cleveland, where my dad was booked for a heart bypass op- operation. He had a long history of coronary artery disease and was being gradually weaned off his medication while traveling to the United States. It was a Saturday afternoon when Ruth and I left my parents in their hotel room. They were going to rest before having supper with cousins, and we were going to fill in some time before going to the theater. There was still a few hours to go, and we decided to window shop in a square close to the hotel. Later, my plan was to practice judo at a nearby London dojo while Ruth was going to do some serious shopping. We arranged that we would meet at the theater after we had split up. As we were walking around the square peering into windows and gawking at the various displays, accidentally bumped into someone who was doing the same thing. It was my father. 
He had also seized the opportunity to walk around the same square before his dinner. Totally unaware of each other, we had bumped our bodies together. We laughed, hugged, kissed, and said goodbye once again before going our separate ways. Ruth went shopping, and I ran off to my judo practice. Judo is a martial art based on respect and utilization of your opponent's energy to defend against attack. During practice, you are obliged to hit the mat with the palm of your hand to indicate submission, at which time your partner ceases any further action. On this occasion, my partner had me in a chokehold. Usually, I submit immediately, but for some unknown reason, I resisted. Suddenly, I was floating up a tunnel towards an opening of brilliant white light. Peering down towards me over the circular rim of the opening were human figures. I couldn't recognize them. They were distant and vaguely translucent. I was totally at peace and tranquil. Then, just as suddenly, I was lying on the mat with concerned Jukdoko around me. I had briefly lost consciousness. I stood up with no ill effects and completed the practice session. I met Ruth at the theater and saw yet another running of Agatha's play, The Mousetrap. When we arrived back at our lodging at 10.30 p.m. that evening, we were given a message to go to my mother at her hotel. Dad had taken ill. When we arrived, Mom told us that Dad had just died. He had felt unwell after supper, had lain down on the sofa, fallen asleep, and not woken up. All attempts to resuscitate him had been unsuccessful. We spent the next few days grieving with Mom in the hotel room while making arrangements to fly Dad back to South Africa for his funeral and burial. Over 40 years later, in the book by Pim Van Lommel, there is a photograph of a work by Bosch of a tunnel identical to the one I was floating in. In it's um, He calls the piece Visions of the Afterlife. The book makes me think that my vision was a near-death experience induced by the brief cessation of blood flow to my brain. The unexpected meeting with my dad only hours before his death could be looked upon as a coincidence allowing father and son to bid each other farewell. But yet there is another meaning behind the meeting in that London square. Two human beings, a father and son, met on the earthly plane, hugged and kissed, and went their separate ways. One went through a near-death experience, and the other a death experience. One was given the opportunity to return down the tunnel, while the other was welcomed into the afterlife. It happened on October 16th, 1971, on a gray afternoon in London, England. Well, uh, we are just about out of time. And uh, we didn't apparently get any calls. We'll have to do uh, a call in again at some point. Um it's always a little chancy with a, just a half hour show as to whether anyone's going to have time enough to, uh, to cut in. And, uh, so what we usually do on days like this is just, as I've been doing, read, uh, some of our, uh, a few of our hundreds of stories at IONS, uh, on near-death experience and similar accounts with the other side. Well, if you, uh, it does look like we're about out of time for today, 
If you'd like to listen to this show again or to any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And uh, if you are interested in pursuing uh, a membership in IANS, please uh, go to the IANS website, iands.org. It's uh, interesting. I first encountered IANS when I was working on a, my doctorate in uh, in near death experience at my seminary, and uh, I found their material so useful. Uh, the people there are so friendly, and um, I have valued my relationship with them uh, ever since. So I hope you have a similar experience. Uh, get in touch with them. And I think you'll, uh, I think you'll appreciate everything IANS has to offer. Uh, and tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern for more NDE radio. Thanks for listening.